Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Oh 
Just offer up that thanksgiving to him, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's praise him today. God is so good to me. Hallelujah. He's been so good to me. How many feel that way today? More than this world could ever be. I've made up my mind I'm going to serve the Lord. How about you? For he's so good. Lift your hands and say, he's so good to me. His spirit came to me. I'm so glad he did. Me victory. God is so legacy song here at the Anchor, formerly Apostolic Gospel Church. Elder Roy Dunlap used to sing that song in church. And I see his children here today and, and everybody can be seated except that if you are akin to the Dunlap family, we want you to remain standing. Amen. I think we ought to give all of them a hand. So glad that they are here. Praise the name of the Lord. I see missionaries, Brother and Sister Hall, here today, and we honor them. So proud of them out of this church and missionaries. Brother and Sister Mark Dunlap, so glad. Pastor in Michigan for many years, elder in this church. So glad that y'all made it home and the other Dunlaps here. Would you give them all a hand? Aren't we glad to have them? Amen. You may be seated. If you were ever a member under uh, Guy Smith, if you were a member of the church, I don't care if you were three months old. I know there was one member that was born and was only under Brother Smith for three months. You would still count. But if you were ever sit under Guy Smith, our founding pastor, would you, would you stand at this time? Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. That is amazing. Oh, let's give our legacy members a hand. Would you do that? We call them legacy members. Praise God. Praise God. And uh, I want you to remain standing. I want them to get a picture of that. Just uh, uh, all the legacy members. I want them to get a picture. If you are under Guy Smith and uh, remain standing. What's that? Okay. All right. Just remain standing just a moment.
Thank you. Let's give them all a hand. Would you do that? You may be seated. Our, our founding pastor's daughter is, is a lifetime member here. Sister Carol Weigel, we want you to come. We want to honor you today. Amen. Praise God. Let's honor her. Let's honor her today. Let's all stand and honor Sister Carol. I certainly believe that when God, there she is right here on the left, right in the middle. Isn't that something? And uh, we, uh, I realize that when God calls a pastor, he calls the family. He puts something in every single one of them to make a difference. Sister Bounds and I, and I can speak on behalf of this church, we're so thankful for your faithfulness. Uh, you have been so faithful. One of the easiest people I've ever pastored. And I want to say thank you for who you are and being with us and loving our family and this church. And we're here because of people like you. Can you say amen? We have a gift of our appreciation. Give her a big hand. We love you, Sister Carol. Praise God. Just remain standing because I know you're going to stand again. And we are here because of the wonderful, special leadership and spirit of excellence of our former pastor's wife and uh, Sister Ferris. We want her to come at this time. Would you come? When we moved here, our children called her Nana. Thank you for loving our family, loving this church for so many years. And uh, you were in this church, or at least a part of this church, your whole life. And uh, we're so thankful for you. In the spirit of excellence, you're such a lady. And uh, Bishop Ferris was such a statesman. And we loved him very, very much. And uh, we want to honor her today. Would you give her a round of appreciation? We want you to greet us today. It is such a wonderful privilege to be home. And when I see you, I think of home. I gave my daughter an analogy years ago when she was hoping for a husband. And I said, there is an invisible cord that God attaches to your heart and to the man that will be your husband. And I was thinking about that the other day. My heart has invisible cords that are attached to your hearts. And I will always be a part of you because we're attached. I have a heritage of 74 years as part of this church. So I, I was there for most of it. That's kind of scary when I thought about 74 and 80, but we'll just let that slide. <laughs> But life has been good to me. I have lived in the goodness of God. I have a heritage. It was passed from my grandparents to my mother.
and she passed it to me. It's in my DNA. I am apostolic through DNA. But you know, I saw your theme, it's legacy. And legacy is mine. And it's what I will leave behind, my stories, and the things that my life possibly wrote on your life. And my husband, Larry Ferris, left a legacy. He was a builder. He was a restorer. He was a project man. I think that's where I got my love for projects. Yours or mine, I, I loved projects. But I'm so grateful for this celebration and all it means to all of us. My dear pastor, Guy Smith, the picture that you saw that said the Jesus only church, I've thought about that. And his legacy was to bring truth to the city. And he wanted this city to know that Jesus only was who we were and later changed it to Apostolic Gospel Church. And those of us who were under Brother Smith's ministry, you could not shake us from the foundation of truth in any manner because he put it in us so strongly. And I laughed this morning when I thought about Brother Smith because he taught us discipline. And if you didn't learn it, he taught you. So I have such a heritage, and I hope I've left a legacy. I love you all so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. I want to say something else. The young man and I, he is a young man to me, Brother Aaron Bounds and Cindy Bounds, were probably some of the greatest accomplishments that, that have happened to this church. Yes. I loved them as my children from the time they came, and I had just so hoped that I would get to co-grandparent with the tackets and the bounds, but God saw differently. But you are an amazing group because of what this couple is doing in your lives. Their legacy, their legacy is being lived out every day. And there is going to be an incredible revival that this church can't hold. And this is a big building. So I just want you to love them and to cherish them and to work with them and whatever they say follow because he is a man of God. Thank you, Sister Ferris. Amen. You may be seated. I, I do want to say on a follow-up of last week what a powerful service we had. God moved in a special way at the end of the service. A spirit of giving came in here. And I know that, not even asking, just people began to be led of the Lord. And um, glad to tell you, next week the roof will be finished. So uh, they had some delays with rain, and we're excited. We do believe that there, we've outgrown this property three times. And in the midst of that, we've sent people all over different cities. People are traveling. And I remember the prophecy that people would start traveling 50 miles to get here. 
And I'll never forget the man that came in. And I said, well, how far was it today? He said, it's exactly 50 miles from my driveway. And people began to come from different counties, from Willing, West Virginia, all the way near Marietta, from Columbus and uh, north of here and different places south. They came north, south, east, and west to get to the house of God, just like Bishop Ferris prophesied they would. And uh, Matthew Tuttle came and prophesied what happened. And we saw a great revival in 2009 where we planted our first daughter work and our first global work. And uh, we're so thankful for that. And that year alone, we saw 500 people filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized 350 right here in Zanesville. That was amazing. But God's not finished. Better yet is to come. Amen. Do you believe that? Uh, the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And last week, God began to move about going and purchasing another piece of property. And I'm glad to tell you, 150 plus thousand dollars was pledged. I believe more so approaching 200,000. But I will say, if the Lord spoke to you, give that. Give it quickly. Amen. Your flesh will talk you out of what God told you to do. How many know that's true? Look at your neighbor and say, give, amen. Give quickly. I think that's in the Bible somewhere. I don't know if quickly is next to it, but I'm sure, I know giving is there. But we are pursuing a piece of property. Before we purchase, we would have a meeting and move forward to move forward on that. But uh, I believe God's got a plan. We're going to build a building that seats more than a thousand. Can you shout hallelujah? We're going to become a crisis center to a broken world to see their lives turn around and changed. It's going to happen. They're going to come from all over the state wanting help. And we know the answer to every crisis, to every... Oh, clap your hands and praise Him. Would you give Him a high praise? Amen. I'm going to, I'm going to take my seat. And I know there's a presentation, but uh, we have a dynamic preacher that preached such a powerful word about, about root fires on Friday night. He's going to preach to us again, and God's going to respond. I want you to open your heart because the Lord's going to speak to each of us individually. Amen. Look at your neighbor say, the building's too small for what God is doing in Zanesville. Amen. I want you to... I had to count how many words it is. I think it's four words. Let's do it again. All right? Look at your neighbor and say, let's do it again. Let's plant another global work. Let's plant another daughter work. But let's go ahead and have another revival in this city. The next thing's this city. The next thing that God's doing is, amen, we're going to fill this city with the doctrine of Jesus Christ, the power of the gospel. Clap your hands and give him a high praise. Amen. Praise the Lord. You, you may be seated. Brother and Sister Bounds, I want to offer my congratulations to you and to the great church there on 15 years of partnership in impacting the city of Zanesville, 25 years you've had credentials with the UPCI, and 80 years of existence for your great church. Just an amazing team of people and what gifted apostolic leaders the two of you are. My family loves you all so much. I thank God for your voice in our fellowship and in the church and city of Zanesville. God bless you. Congratulations. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful celebration. Now I have to remember who the other one was. All right, Zanesville. We're so excited for you all. 
80 year anniversary for the church and the 15th year anniversary for Pastor and Sister Bounds and the family. We're thankful for you as the saints of God. The church has been there these many years. Continue holding on to the apostolic truth, preaching and believing God for the miraculous. And we have seen it happen many, many times there in that great city and the church through your all's faith and leadership and you all's submission to the leadership that has been there uniting with them in tremendous, tremendous revival. We also are thankful for Pastor and Sister Bounds, 15-year anniversary as pastor there at the church in Zanesville. We're thankful for the kids that have all grown up now and are doing a great job. We love them very much. Love Sister Browns and Mother Bounds. And we appreciate the church that's there. Continue to have great revival around the world. And let's finish up these last few years in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord, Anchor Church family. This is Evangelist Shane Burns. I want to personally, on behalf of me and my family, congratulate you for an 80-year church anniversary. No doubt, for the last 80 years, there has been a beacon of hope in Zanesville, Ohio. Only heaven will be able to tell the teeming masses of people that have been impacted by apostolic truth. I also want to congratulate Bishop Bounds and your family for 15 years of pastoral service to the Ohio area. I'm so thankful, Bishop. You're like a brother that I never had. Sister Cindy and your four children who I love it when you call me Uncle Shane. I love y'all very much and I'm very proud of each of you. No doubt the best is yet to come. And I hope and pray that one day, maybe we can have 28 services in 28 days. I love each and every one of you from the Burns. God bless you and congratulations. I think, I think we ought to stand. Aren't we thankful for our pastor and our pastor's wife? They're a wonderful family. Amen. We would like Lakin, Jillian, Sawyer, and Finn to come up, and you may be seated. This weekend is about celebrating 80 years of restoring people at the Anchor Church and 15 years of leadership under our pastor and Sister Bounds and their great children. We couldn't let this weekend go by without taking a moment to honor the four of you. As Pastor McDonald mentioned on Friday night, Micah 6 tells us that God sent Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. It took a family. I speak for the church when I say we are thankful for your sacrifice, your love for people, and your love for the church. Growing up as a pastor's kid myself, I can attest that many people see the great things about being a pastor's kid, but many don't know the true sacrifice and the time given to further the kingdom of God. The phone calls, emergencies, counseling sessions, weddings, funerals, and hospital visits, they don't always happen at the most convenient moments. Sometimes they happen during family dinner, volleyball and basketball games, Bible quiz tournaments, and maybe the only free night that week. The immeasurable time you have personally invested in the church has not gone unnoticed. Two years ago when I was in the hospital, during a scare with my pregnancy, Sister Bounds and Jillian came over to be with Winston and Lawson. They stayed late into the night, 
and they did it without hesitation. They even slept on our couch. This is just one of my stories, but we all have stories, similar encounters here today when the Bounds family dropped everything to call us, to comfort us, to bring hope and be available to us. We love each of you just the way you are. We believe in you, your individual callings, and we believe in your prayers. Lakin, Lakin, you are a loyal friend, and those that know you best know your witty side and how much fun you can be. From spending time this summer serving in Guatemala, teaching Bible studies to coworkers, being an anointed worship leader, and just last night, she was checking up on which girls are registered for the fall retreat. Your passion for souls and your kind heart is evident in the way you live. Jillian, I have lost count how many times you have helped with our kids and all of the kids at the Anchor Church. Whether it be during a funeral, a church service, counseling session, or a meeting, you have so graciously offered to help. We love to see you worshiping on the piano, and it's been amazing to watch you grow from a preemie baby to such a talented, joyful young lady. Sawyer, I'll never forget the youth event that you missed so that you could go and be with a young man that wasn't able to come. And uh, due to health things and health reasons, he wasn't able to be here, but you thought best to, to go and be with him. I'll never forget the, the first, man, I'm not trying to, I got to pull it together here. I'll never forget the first message that you preached in, in our youth service. The anointing of God and the hand of God on your life. And to see all of the things that, that God is doing through you and in you, it's been amazing. You have a heart of gold. You have a witty sense of humor. We had recently had an interesting car ride that was full of uh, laughter and funny jokes. And, and um, we love you very much and we appreciate you and who you are. We believe in your prayers. We believe in your dreams and visions that you see from God and we trust them and we know they're right because we know who you are. And we thank God for you. Amen. Amen. Finn, Finn, I could say so many things about you. You are a man's man. You're a man's man. You like turtles. You like frogs. You're the best turtle catcher I've ever seen in my entire life. Beyond that, you have a heart of gold. You are a wonderful example to my kids and even beyond our children, um, the kids of this church. You have a heart for people that is exemplified in your, in your connection to your, to your neighbor and your love for, for people that... That, that are outside of the church. And you have a love, and that's shown through what you do and who you are. And this church 
loves you, and we believe in you, and we thank God for who you are. Amen. 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 Don't we love and appreciate them? Amen. We'll give them one more hand. One more hand. Amen. <clears throat> you can be seated. I do have a couple brief announcements before our choir comes. I'll tell you what, if you're in the choir, go ahead and come. Our choir is going to sing today, and I'm excited about it. Amen. Look at this choir. Look at all these people. Let's give them a hand as they're coming. Amen. God bless you as you give. Sister Ashley Harrington is going to come before the choir sings and testify. Amen. Let's clap our hands and thank God. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? This weekend has been an incredible weekend of celebration and thankfulness and giving honor where honor is due. But today is a homecoming service. And I can't help but reminisce the past couple of years of my life my grandmother, who you're going to see here on this next video, but she has gone on to be with the Lord. But when I was six years old, she brought us to this church, and it became our home. And she raised us here, and when I became an adult and I was older, I left the church. And I went places I never thought that I would go, did things I never thought that I would do. When I look back over my life, and ten years had gone by, and I had made a mess of things. But something came over me a couple of years ago, and it was like that, the Holy Ghost, that it never leaves you, and it's always going to be with you. And I just, I have to get to my father's house. It's, I've got to go home. And when I did, it only took just one moment of repentance and one moment of God forgive me, and he restored unto me everything that the years have taken away. And I just want to encourage someone this morning. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter how long you've been gone. We serve a God of restoration, and his arm is not too short that he cannot reach. In the name of Jesus, worship with us today. Wait 
break it off of you right now. Come on, step out of where you are. Come on, step out for a moment. I've got a question here this morning. Elder Tom Bailey, come here just a second. You've been here. Elder Tom Bailey, come here for a minute. I know you look 39, but how old are you now, Elder? He's 81. He's been here a while. I got a question for you. Have you ever seen God do it? What I want to know is can he do it again? I said, can he do it again? Sister Hodge, have you ever seen God do it? She said, oh yes, what I want to know is can he do it again? Do you believe God can do it? Do you believe God can do it? I want you to shout, yes he can. Yes. Shout it real loud, yes he can. Yes he can. He can do it again. For he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all.
The Spirit of the Lord is here right now to do whatever you need Him to do. We get your neighbor and say, He can do it. And He's doing it again right now. Right now. Right here with me. Come on, somebody shout right now. Right here with me. He can do it. Amen. He is doing it. My mother, my, what a choir. Give our choir a hand of appreciation. Brother McDonald, Pastor McDonald, come and preach to us. Would you welcome the man of God? Jaime's going to preach with the preacher. We've shouted with the choir. But how many know there's a response in the word? Everybody just practice it real quick because the Bible says the promises of the Lord are yea and amen. The preacher is the yea. The hearer is an amen. Yay. Let's try it again. Yay. God is good. Let's welcome our preacher from California. Brother McDonald, we love you. I believe the waters are troubled right now. I said, I believe the host of heaven is here and the waters are troubled right now. We just sung a song that says, I believe can do it. My question to this great congregation today is what is your it? What is your it? I believe God can do it. Watch now. Moses spent 40 years in, in the headquarters of the land. Then he spent 40 years on the backside of the desert. 40 plus 40 is 80 years. And at 80 years, the bush caught on fire. And at 80 years, Moses stepped into a delivery role for the nation, for the promises of God that he had given to Father Abraham 400 years before. I'll tell you what we're going to do in, in just a moment. We're going to claim a name. How many believes God can do it as far as salvation? We're going to claim a name. And then after that, we're going to claim a miracle. Because the miracle worker is in this house. How many can believe for a revival in Zanesville in this community? How many can believe for a regional revival? This is going to be a hub of reaching hands it's going to be a global revival on the count of three I want you to lift a name of someone specifically that needs a touch of the Holy Ghost and I want you to do it in faith God can do it he can bring deliverance to family members friends are you ready to exercise your faith Jesus asked a blind man what would you have me do unto you he wanted him to vocalize his faith. Let's vocalize it on the count of three. I want you to raise your hands and I want you to shout that name out because I believe it's going to leave this sanctuary. A river's going to flow to where they're at and new life is coming to them. Do you believe God can do it? Do you 
believe deliverance can come. One, two, three, claim it in Jesus' name. Now I believe we need to claim a miracle. It can be financial. I've already claimed the new property. I've already seen the parking. I've already seen the building. I've already seen it full of people. How many believes God can do it? We're not using just an it now. God has a miracle for you and your family. Do you believe God could touch a wayward son or daughter? Do you believe God could heal cancer in this house today? Do you believe God could make a difference away where there seems to be no way? On the count of three, I want you to exercise your faith one more time because God can do it. Are you ready? One, two, three, vocalize your miracle. Speak that miracle. I believe God can do it. I believe God can do it. To the north wind, the south wind, the east wind, I prophesied as I was commanded. Come on, call those things forth. Prophetically pray right now. Prophetically speak to a mountain to be removed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's thank God. Let's thank God for being a miracle worker. Praise God. Folks, I just believe that's how the kingdom works. It's just as simple as that. Feeling the wind of the Holy Ghost, responding to His Spirit. That's how the kingdom has been built. Allow us to say one more time what an incredible and honor it is to be with this great church family. This has been a highlight of our year. We have seen this on the calendar and look so forward to it. You have done so well in honoring your leadership. The Bible says give honor to whom honor is due. Give double honor to those who labor in the word. And if I could describe this 11 o'clock service, it's been absolutely perfect. Thank you to everyone that planned it. Thank you to everyone that made it possible. We've honored 80 years of legacy. We've honored the Bounds family for 15 years of spiritual headship and leadership. And I thank God for that. Could we honor all of the saints of God? What good would a leader be if there wasn't a saint? Would you just look around the church today, smile at someone, and thank God for them? We're in this together. We're in this together today. Uh, so many nice things have been said about this family. I'll just be honest with you. I cannot sing a lick at all. And I've often questioned God why until I came to the Anchor Church and I got a revelation after 52 years. All the singing talent belongs right here in Anchor Church. 
Uh, Brother Dylan is actually a cousin of mine, and what a fantastic job and addition he is. And then this, this whole Bounds family, they're so talented on every level. I would like to draw your attention to the book of St. John, chapter number 1. And I have a very, very specific uh, word for you today. I am not preaching necessarily to legacy. We mentioned that on Friday night, and I believe it with all of my heart, that what God has set in motion and the fires that he has started accumulation of all of those prayers, you're fixing to see the fulfillment of it. Cornelius sowed in prayers and offerings, and then his family was saved. And I believe you're fixing to see a revival of families. That's not in my notes. That's just downloaded in my spirit. A revival of families in this last day. John chapter number 1 and verse number 46. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith unto him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Do we know each other? Jesus answered and said unto him, before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. My simple, very simple thought, but a word from the Lord for everyone in this house today, is he saw you first. He saw you. He saw you when you didn't think anyone else saw. He saw you. Tell your neighbor everything's going to be all right. You may be seated. I've heard it preached my whole life. When I did a little study on it, it perhaps is more legend than it is good sermon preacher, preaching. But a shepherd would take a wandering sheep and break its leg so it would not wander off and would not entice other sheep to wander off as well and during that rehabilitation process, he would hold that sheep close to itself. He would talk to the sheep, and that sheep would learn the importance of a shepherd, would learn the voice of the shepherd, learn to trust the shepherd, and they would become one as they were close together. I don't know if it would actually happen in the field, but the Bible does talk about him smiting the Israelites, him referring to God, and then healing the Israelites. David wrote it this way, it was good that I was afflicted because now I am in a saved posture and position. All throughout the Bible, uh, you were either a fisherman, you were a farmer, or you were a shepherd, or you were hungry, I guess. Uh, and oftentimes the Bible likens us unto sheep. We are the sheep of his pasture. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And it likens the parallel. Well, when we begin to look at the parallel of this sheep and a shepherd relationship, 
We understand that Jesus spoke about it often. In Luke chapter 15, it's perhaps one of the most uh, understood or familiar passage of Scripture. Jesus addresses his audience that day and says, there was a man that had a hundred sheep. They all understood him because he was talking the language of their day. It was important to understand that the common family did not own a hundred sheep. The common family owned between five and twenty sheep, history would tell us. So a man that owned a hundred sheep or had a hundred sheep, he was a shepherd of several flocks that had combined together. Most, most likely it was a family situation. Family did not live on the other side of the world. In biblical days, travel did not permit that. But families would live together. And it was probably a family member that would watch over the sheep as a shepherd. You would not want someone outside of the family. They would be a hireling. They would just want a paycheck. But most likely someone of the family was hired to shepherd those sheep. Therefore, a loss of one sheep was a loss that affected everyone. It was so important that everyone would, every one of the sheep would come home. There was one rule of shepherding, and that is don't lose a sheep. If a sheep was lost, you would have to do everything you could because their entire existence rested upon that. Even if it meant, as Amos talked about, just bringing a piece of an ear or a leg back from a predator, a shepherd would always find and procure that sheep and, and bring it home. It was so, so important. So it was, as you study the nature of the sheep, you know it, they're not the smartest animals that are out there. In fact, there is an article I read in Istanbul in 2005, a shepherd uh, several flocks were together, a large flock. They went to eat a sandwich at lunchtime and left the sheep grazing. And when they came back, they watched the first sheep jump off of a ledge. And then they watched 1,500 sheep jump off the same ledge. Because sheep are not that smart. They just kind of wander around and kind of follow uh, the other one, in fact, one man said sheep are proof that evolution could never be true because they could not have survived throughout the ages. They can't run fast. They don't have teeth. There's, there's no poison in their body. They don't have spiny, uh, uh, prickly spines. There's nothing about them. They get nervous easy and, and they do crazy things. When they lie down, they can't get up or if they fall, they become cast and they become easily preyed uh, upon predators. And, and when we look at a sheep, they're, they're so simple. They don't even mean to wander off from the flock, but they do just because they're not that bright. They're just munching here and munching there and munching there and then they wake up, so to speak, and the, the flock's not around because that's just the nature of the sheep. They have no sense of direction how to get back. There's no internal GPS. All we like sheep have gone astray. It's just part of a sheep. They're hopeless because of it. They're helpless because of it. And, and so it is up to a shepherd. 
to care for his sheep. It's so important. In fact, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 15 that Jesus would call those hundred sheep my lost sheep. He said, my sheep know my voice. Why is that uh, uh, important to us today? Because of this fact. Even if you're in this house today and you have wandered away because of life's event, he still calls you his own. If it's been a while since you've been to the anchor church, the language of your heavenly father and shepherd still calls you my sheep. The worst sinner in the world is still my sheep to the Lord. And and Jesus said the shepherd's going to go and look for him until he finds him. It's not if he finds him, but it's until he finds him. He does not worry about his own safety. He doesn't worry if it's in the middle of the night and he can't see the pathway clearly or the adders are, are, are out and, and uh, uh, the poisonous uh, animals are out. It doesn't matter to him. All that matters to him is that a sheep is lost and he, as the shepherd, must find it. He's not lazy. He's not indifferent. He's not afraid. But immediately he goes to find them because he knows if he does not find them, there is no hope. A sheep cannot find its way back. They are in danger and they are soon to damage themselves. I just feel something on this 80th anniversary service, on this 15-year celebration, now that we've done all the stuff we're supposed to do, now that we've given cards and said thank you and watched videos, uh, can you allow this preacher from California to tell you that God sees exactly where you are at today? Uh, can I tell you beyond all of the congratulations uh, and look what the Lord has done, you're not sitting here by yourself. God has not forgotten you, but your life is still in his hands. He still has a plan. He still has a future. He still has a ministry. There is still the greatest days of your life in front of you. Bible says when he finds the sheep, he lays it on his shoulders. Sheep weigh about 75 pounds. He doesn't pick it up. And he doesn't complain. He doesn't pick it up. And he doesn't say, you stupid sheep, I told you not to do this. You know what the shepherd is doing today? The Bible says when he picks him up, he rejoices. And he says, I found that which is lost. You haven't caused God a bad day or a long day to forgive you of your sins. God doesn't lament. He doesn't get tired of giving you a second and a third and a fourth chance because that's what shepherds do. I preach to you the chief shepherd of your soul has come into this house today to tell you it's time to take another step toward the sheepfold. It's time to take another step towards a place of refuge and safety. And I preach to you that the shepherd of our soul is coming back for all of the sheep. And he's not just taking us to an earthly sheepfold, but he's taking us to a heavenly sheepfold that is just beyond. 
he rejoices. Remember the story of Lot in the Bible. The story of Lot is an incredible story of, of a man that makes very poor decisions. He starts looking in the wrong direction. Before you know it, you see him at the gates of the city and you see him in the middle of the city. The Bible would tell us that the men of the city did the unthinkable. When two angels came to visit Lot, they wanted those two angels to come out because they wanted to have relationship with them. That's what your Bible says. The Bible says that Lot opened the door and slipped out and tried to reason with, his, with the people there that he was living amongst. And he said, please don't touch these angels. And then he said it. He said, I have some daughters that have never ever been touched before. Why don't you just have my daughters and don't touch my guest here? The unthinkable for a daddy. Without justification, without reason. A daddy's supposed to be a protector. These, these thoughts, we just can't wrap our mind around him. Seems crazy, seems unthinkable. But when you read in the New Testament, do you know how your Bible describes Lot? Your Bible describes Lot as that righteous man Lot. How can he be called righteous if he is giving up his daughters in an unthinkable way? As he leads his family, not towards righteousness, uh, but towards a city of Sodom and Gomorrah for personal gain. How can these things be? I'll tell you how. The power of the blood of Jesus is so great and so strong. It's bigger than your grossest transgression. It's greater than your biggest sin when you miss the mark by 10,000 times. If righteous, if Lot can be called righteous, he can look at your life and call you righteous today. I don't know what you have in the closet and it doesn't matter. All I know is I see a crimson stream of blood that can look at you and such were some of you but now you're washed and now you're sanctified and now you're justified by the power of the Holy Ghost you can leave this place completely clean today you can leave this place completely righteous in his sight so to our text John chapter number one is a very very interesting passage of scripture of course, John's gospel is so different than the rest of the gospels. He doesn't start with the birth. He goes all the way back to the beginning. It says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And then he begins to talk in this first chapter about how your great master, Jesus Christ, began to call and select his disciples that would help him. John chapter 1 and verse 38, Jesus turned to a couple of them there, said, what do you see? And they said, uh, Rabbi, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? And Jesus simply said in verse 39, come and see. Verse number 40, uh, it says, one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew Simon, Peter's brother. He first findeth his brother Simon and said, We have found the Messiah, which being interpreted is the Christ. And, and it's an incredible. 
remarkable passage of scripture that when he sees Simon, he says, Simon, I, I've got something for you. I've got a name change because I see something inside of you. And then we get to verse number 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and he would find someone by the name of Philip and he would say unto Philip, follow me. Now according to John's gospel, Philip is the first disciple that Jesus would ask to follow him. To the others, he said, come and see when they inquired. But specifically to Philip, he says, Philip, he gave that rabbinical uh, uh, request. He said, would you like to follow me and be my disciple? It's very, very important to us to ask why he called Philip. Because when you read a few verses down, the Bible tells us that Philip turned around and he started reaching for other people. I just can't help believe that the Lord saw something in Philip. That Philip would not just be saved to feel good. But Philip wanted to be saved to feel good, to help other people feel good and find salvation. As one beggar showing another beggar where the house of bread was. So it was that Philip turns around and he begins on personal evangelism. And he says in the next verse, he says in verse 45, Rather Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, we have found him of whom Moses and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth. The very same thing that was said by Jesus to some of the disciples, come and see, was said by Philip when he was reaching for Nathaniel. He used the exact same words of Jesus, come and see. He borrowed the reputation. He borrowed the words of the master when he said, come and see. I'm so glad he didn't just tell him to go and check it out. You know, there's a big difference between a travel agent and a tour guide. One just makes all the plans for you, but the other says, let me walk with you along the way and let me show you. This is the kind of man that Philip was. He said, come on, let me show you something that will change your life forever. When he said that to Nathaniel, Nathaniel said, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? He said, I know the reputation of Nazareth. It's rough in Nazareth. You know, they talk funny, they're crude, they're not refined. That border town had a lot of Gentile influence is really what it was. You know, they're not really refined. How could a Savior, how could the fulfillment of prophecy come out of a place like that? And he said, simply come and see. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You remember what Herod placed a sign on the cross what it said about Jesus it said Jesus uh, King, uh, Jesus of Nazareth King of the Jews Jesus of Nazareth what does Jesus mean Jehovah has become our salvation he said he is still salvation of Nazareth I'm happy to tell you today uh, that he is still Jehovah has become my salvation of Nazareth Whatever your situation is, he is still Jesus of your Nazareth. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? He had a question in his mind. There was this little prejudice in his heart. 
He said, you know, I, I just, I don't know if, if something this good could happen out of something like this. I just don't know if I can trust that. I may speak to someone in this house today that you too have doubts in your mind. Doubts come in three forms. The first doubt that we all have is a spiritual doubt. It's a doubt that comes to our mind that we wonder in our heart and, and mind about, about am I really a Christian? If I'm a Christian, why do I still struggle with such and such? If I'm a Christian, why am I still trying to uh, get over all of these imperfections in my mind, in my spirit? Why do I still feel guilty sometimes? How come I don't have more things figured out? And we find ourselves plagued by these doubts just like Nathaniel was plagued by doubts in his salvation experience. We're not trying to figure out about our Christian walk and why we're not higher and why we still struggle with the habit of some sort. Then we have intellectual doubts. Can I really believe the Bible? Do I really believe that people live on after they die? Is there a literal hell? Are we really going to fly through the sky in a so-called rapture? Do we really live forever? How do I know that there is truly a God in the world? You're not the first one to think a thought like that. You're not the first one to have the enemy place uh, some doubt in your mind. It's been part of the experience uh, from the beginning of time. If it's not intellectual doubt and it's not spiritual doubt, we all encounter circumstantial doubt. Watch now. Your child gets afflicted with cancer and dies. God, why did you allow my spouse to cheat on me? God, how come everyone else is able to have a baby and we cannot conceive? How come everyone else is married and I'm 40 and 50 and I'm not married yet? What's wrong with me? I tried to get a new job and promotion. I turned in a resume that had more qualifications, but they gave it to someone else. How come I wasn't accepted at the college? How come the good things didn't happen to me in life? I volunteered to be on the praise team, and they never ever acknowledged that I was even alive. Sometimes you go through life, and you look at your life, and you wonder where God is, and you wonder about the difficulties of life, just like Nathaniel did that day. I want to be saved. I want to believe it, but can it? Any good thing come out of Nazareth? Can it be this easy? Can it be this simple? I love when John expressed these doubts while he was in prison, John the Baptist. Because if you've ever lived life long enough, you'll find yourself in a prison at times. And while he was in a prison, he said, Are you truly the Messiah or should we look for another? Wait a minute. It was John who first said, Behold the Lamb of God. God which taketh away the sins of the world. It was John that baptized Jesus in Jordan and while he did the heavens opened and the voice spoke out confirming to John that this was the Messiah. But if you live long enough this thing called doubt can creep into your mind and he said are you really the Messiah or should we look for another? 
Jesus simply turned around and gave him proof of his Messiahship said, go tell John six miracles that are taking place. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the dead are being raised, etc. And the disciples left and then he turned around and said this, there is not a greater than John the Baptist. Out of all of the prophets throughout the Old Testament, none is greater than John the Baptist. And notice the context that Jesus spoke that. It's while John was in prison doubting. John the Baptist doubted the the Messiahship of Jesus but Jesus never doubted John the Baptist even while doubt was coming out of his mouth. That's why I tell you if you're a John the Baptist there is hope for you today. If you've stumbled along the way and the doubts of this world, the chaos of this world, God still believes in you. You're still in his hand and he still has an exciting future for your life. Now my whole point of our simple message and I'll be done shortly. As as Nathaniel walks up, Jesus begins to read his mail. He says, I know who you are, Nathaniel. He said, you're an Israelite in whom is no guile. I know your heart. I know the real you. Not your reputation. I know the real you. How do you know me, God? And then he said it. Before that Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Watch now. If you've ever been to Israel, fig trees are everywhere. There's not one fig tree in Israel. Fig trees are like driving by your woods and whatever woods you have here. But this is not just any fig tree. This is a fig tree moment. This this is a moment that Nathaniel has had that he instantly knows what the Messiah is talking about. When the Messiah said, I saw you under the fig tree, there was something significant that happened under that fig tree that Nathaniel could identify. There was some conversation that Nathaniel had with himself. Perhaps it was a prayer meeting where he he pounded the ground and he said, God, if you're really real, let something happen that I know you're real. I don't want you to be a story in the Bible, but reveal yourself to me along life's way. I don't want to just sing about you in the choir. I want to know that you're real. I don't know if it was a prayer meeting like that. I don't know if he was reading the Bible of the Old Testament and tears started streaming down his face and he said oh God I feel like you're so close to me right now and he went from talking in that prayer language to talking like he was his best friend face to face as a friend would talk to a friend I don't know if he was full of anxiety because of some news he had just received I don't know if he was having panic attacks 
attacks and he didn't know what to do and he was wringing his hands and pacing back and forth and he finds himself under a tree and he says God I can't take one more day of this I don't know what I'm going to do I feel like my chest is going to beat out my heart's going to beat out of my chest I can't do this anymore would you please help me we don't know what it was but everyone in this house at some time or another has a fig tree moment in fact the way I felt impressed with this sermon and this word today it would not surprise me if someone in this house did not pray last night God if you're really real let that preacher say something to me all the way from California ma'am sir he sees you under your fig tree. And you know what Jesus said after that? He said, because you believe that, greater things than these are you going to see. I would to God that I could tell you the great things God has for you in your future. If you'll but believe, he's asking you to come up higher and asking you to take another step of faith and believing that he is answering your prayer today. I promise you layer upon layer, you're going to see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon you. I preach to your fig tree moment that he saw you there. He saw you cry in your pillow after your wife or your husband went to sleep. He saw you get in your car and pound the steering wheel and said, God, why does it have to be this hard? He saw you when you wanted to release some profanities but there was a check in your spirit you knew you couldn't cuss to the heavens he saw you he saw you when you faithfully served in the kingdom of God and you saw others advancing and you said God why can't it happen to me I do everything I know to do but I just feel awkward I don't feel like it works for me I don't feel like it fits I feel like an outcast he saw you under the fig tree God would send me to this house today to tell you he knows how many hairs you have on your head he sees every sparrow that falls and he wants you to know he saw you with your questions he saw you with your failures he saw you with your doubts and now he's asking you would you simply respond I could belabor the point over and over, but right now I just feel to have you to stand to your feet. And we're going to pray in just a moment here. I just feel like someone has had a fig tree moment and that shepherd has said, I'm going to do whatever I can do to reach out and affirm to you one more time, I've invested so much in you. I know you better than anyone else knows you in this world. I know your thoughts. I know your intents. I know not the mistakes on social media. I know the ones nobody knows about. I know the thoughts. 
that if we put them on the screen, you would be humiliated. And he says, I love you the most, and I'm here to take you by the hand because Nathaniel and dear Anchor Church member or guest here today, he says, oh, I've got to show you some things beyond. I believe your greatest ministry days are in front. It took 80 years for Moses. If he would have checked out along the way, he would have missed his life's purpose. I'm preaching to some callings today that have been buried in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm speaking to buried, buried giftings today. He saw you under the fig tree. Ma'am, sir, young person and elder, respectfully I say, he's come to take you by the hand from your fig tree and lead you into the fulfillment of the promises of God. Thus saith the Holy Ghost. Would you just raise your hands to him right now and receive the word of the Lord. Say, God, whatever you want for me, whatever you have for me in this life, all I want to do is do your will. All I want to do is be faithful to your calling. All I want to do, God, is walk with you. I just feel that it's a tender voice that I feel, but it's a voice of assurance. It's so solid. You can put your confidence and your trust in it today. If I could describe to you what I see, it's a master that has an absolute sure hand as one that must have been extended to Peter as he was sinking because of the storms of life. There is a hand here for you. I just see, I, I can't get away from this ministry and the word deliverance. There is deliverance coming to this city. It's an 80-year mark. I don't understand it all. I just tell you what I sense in my spirit, what I see with the eyes of my spirit here today. God has something for this church as a whole, and that only happens as individual conduits become the pipeline of God's love to this community. I believe God is going to flow through you in dimensions you have never, ever seen before. I feel in the Holy Ghost, somebody needs to lengthen their stakes, stretch their cords, and begin to sing because of what God has for you in your life. Why sit here until we die? Somebody needs to activate the promises of God today. It's a specific word for you. Would you say? yes to him he stands at the door and knock you know what could be the greatest thing for this service today is that we would come as the family of God as the body of God around the altar today and raise our hands and just say God I want whatever you want for me individually and as a church would you grab your neighbor's hand today let's come around the altars together let's come as the family of God and just say 
thank God every bit of doubt is going out of my mind. Every bit of worry is going out of my mind. Every seed that enemy planted in my mind is leaving my mind. And I'm believing the promises of God today. I'm believing every word that you spoke over my life. Every rhema word and every word from the scriptures that I've read. I'm going to believe it today. If you could see Nathaniel under the tree, you could see me. Come on, let's make our way around the front. Let's push in close today. Let's reach out and connect with what he wants to do in our heart and life. I speak to a Moses that you've been content on the backside of the sheep. You've been content to live in a tent. Today God is saying, no, I called you a long time ago. I had to teach you some lessons on the backside of the desert, but I've watched you the whole time. I've called you. Don't tell me you stutter. Don't tell me you can't get the job done. Who do you think made your mouth? I have a divine work for you to do. If you've never received salvation today, God wants you to have salvation. If you need to repent of your sins today, God is here to sanctify and cleanse you today. If you haven't said yes to your anointing yet, you need to open your mouth and say, God, I'm here today simply to say yes to you. I don't have to read the fine print. You don't have to explain it all to me, but I trust you enough. If you could see me, God, under the fig tree, if you could know my most inner thoughts, if I make my bed in hell or if I ascend to the heavens, thou art there. Thou knowest my thoughts thou hast beset me behind and before this knowledge is too much for me he sees it all let him talk to you for just a moment tune your ears to him today because we're going to pray in just a moment we're going to lay our hands on one another we're going to speak life over one another I believe we're going to lead one another to Jesus here today and he's going to finish his work. Would you find somebody now if it's proper to do so and lay your hands on them and just pray over them right now? Would you, would you pray? Your hand is going to be like the hand of the Lord reaching out and touching them. It's going to give assurance to them. It's going to give understanding to them. God's going to speak to their spirit right now. I preach to a young person today. You cannot stand in the shadows all the days of your life. I speak to someone who shelled an anointing in a ministry. up I hear the stirring I hear the working of the spirit of God
Come on, blow on that fire. Blow on that fire. After today, the enemy is not going to be able. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.